Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Murat, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Toddcast Show. Today, we're joined by our guest, Amy Scruggs. How are you doing this morning, Amy? I am fabulous, and I was really, really looking forward to being with you today on the show. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you. I appreciate you being here, and I know our listeners are going to enjoy hearing your story. Where are you calling from today? I'm in San Diego, California, where we should uh, oh. get a discount for anything over 85 degrees. It's hot today. Well, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Let's see. It's uh, right on my screen here. It says record high in Henderson, Nevada. And today it's 10. Nope. Yep. 100. Okay. Uh, I thought it We're about the same year today. We're 100 here just to eat the coast. So we're, we're riding the same temperature today. It's so weird. I spent a lot of time in San Diego before I made my way to Arizona and then here. And I do miss going to the beach and having that wonderful, cool mist and man, it's like the best. And it never got over 80 degrees. I don't think back then. I don't remember days that were more than 80, maybe 90 at the most. Right. Right. Yeah. We're having more of them now, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes for a better tan. That <laughs> would be if I actually left this little cave and studio that I'm in all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'd have a ring light Sorry. pan, Todd. Yeah, I feel that. Exactly. I used to work on it a bit. And then as I got older, I went to see a dermatologist and they said, oh, uh, yeah, you've got something called basal cell carcinoma. And uh, I'm like, well, what's that? And he goes, well, it's a mild form of skin cancer. You better be careful. And uh oh, so now it's like, OK, 100 proof, you know, like, oh, OK, if I'm going out in the sun, I'm going to make sure and put that stuff on like nobody's tomorrow, you know, and 
just uh, protect my skin. That's beautiful. Were you born in the area or were you born somewhere else? California, a little town called San Dimas, just outside of Pasadena. But uh, most people remember it from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That was the city. And it was no. a little, nice little place to grow up. <laughs> you know what I remember? Because I grew up in Irvine, California. Yes. Um, and I'm 51, so you can kind of estimate you know when i was there but like i was there from uh, my early childhood uh on through high school and to me san dimas is the water raging waters i remember when it was built i lived right yep. that exit and i as well i'm oh. you and i are right here in the same ballpark and i remember right when it was built that's amazing and I, i'm guessing you went all the time right we did the first year and then never again it would what <laughs> oh wow Oh, I always wanted to go. I never made it, but I remember seeing the commercials and as a little kid, can we go, can we go, can we go? And uh, I never got a yes on that one, unfortunately, <laughs> but that's okay. And did you grow up with siblings? Yes. I have one brother. He was four years older and captain of the football team and, and every sport that we had at our private high school at the time. And yes. So yes. And I was the choir game. So that'll be a good segue cool. <laughs> into the interview. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get there. And you know what? I completely forgot. I wanted to shift gears a little bit and just let people know who you are now. And then we'll go back and explore your childhood and stuff. I'm just kind of trying to change things up to make it a little more interesting for our listeners. But tell us what it is that you do for a living now. In a nutshell, the cliff note version I think that helps the best is that after a 20 year diverse career with everything from sales coaching out in business development with real estate and mortgage to being a rock star and touring for years on the country music scene, to hosting a television show for the last five years that ended up on CNBC, and now coaching professionals to help them with their public speaking, their messaging, their branding, and understanding how to get confident and comfortable delivering the message in today's digital world. And that's what I do today as coach, but I also have new music out on radio that I released during COVID, which was just a blast to just see all of these things come together. And I'm just so thankful and proud of the different mix of professions I've been able to have as a spokesperson for nonprofits and just really understanding that common core that so many don't know how to present themselves or they're not comfortable presenting themselves. And I get the beautiful opportunity to still do it while helping others level up and do it for themselves, see their businesses and nonprofits grow. And that's what I do today. The third floor, got it all out. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> well done. Thank that you, is thank beautiful. You. Oh, let's find out who this Amy person is and how she came to be. So when you were born, what's the earliest memory that comes to mind from your early childhood? I would, I probably three or four years old. I remember the swimming pool being built in the backyard. I think that would be one of the earliest things I remember. I think it was four when my parents were putting in a pool in the backyard where, right, where we grew up off Raging Waters Drive there. It wasn't called Raging Waters Drive then. And I remember that, my brother and I watching that the pool be built for the backyard. That is so cool. That is so cool. And are your parents both still with you? They are. They still live not far from there. My my father is uh, has dementia now, so we're watching him change and, and evolve in that disease. And we're surrounding him with love and support. And my mom, who's walking that with him as well. My brother's only 10 minutes away from there, so he can be there more often than I can. But it's it's a difficult thing to walk through. And I'm I'm vlogging it. I'm doing a wonderful little vlog documentary series with my dad that, that the family has given me permission to do. And my dad so far is liking the participation. And so we're really digging back in his childhood because he can remember more of that than current things that are more difficult for him as we just 
follow his journey and his, he shares his stories and he's hysterical and he loves that he has followers and fans in this. And I call it Talks with Dad. And it's been a really fun prop that to take something so painful and make it beautiful. That is so smart. And, you know, I really look back and wish that I did more of those types of captures before the passing of uh, my father and my grandparents. Those are the people that had the most knowledge and wisdom and I'm really sorry I didn't tap into that more. I wished I, I had the capacity back then. And, you know, back then it was writing it down on paper, yes, you know, exactly. there's no cell phones or anything like that. Exactly. Um, you know, maybe a tape recorder, but, you know, for some reason we never really did that. Um, but I remember the stories as well as I can. And every now and then I'll tap into a memory that I forgot I had. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, he told, he taught me about that too. And you know, God bless him. So it's great that you still get to enjoy that. That's it's, really great. We we recently took him on his bucket list fishing trip up in Big Bear Lake. And that was oh, really? June. And he had asked if he could just fish one more time. And I've been keeping him from falling off the boat. But the, the laughter mm -hmm. and holding on to him and watching him catch that last fish, you can't put words to it. And I'm so grateful we had the cameras on as I'm trying to hold him. And my daughter's driving the boat and my, my husband's handling the reels. But we did it and we captured this moment where he was able to have that last fish and his expression on his face and the joy that we all experienced. It was really priceless. Uh, we're just trying to share those moments with him and music, especially my, my country music came from dad completely. I was always singing country music with him in the garage. I'd go with him to the hardware store. We had that bond. And since I was five, I can remember saying, I'm going to be Barbara Mandrell when I grow up someday. And that was both of our dream for me was the music part of it. And to be able to put new music out a couple years ago and to have songs out on radio finally after all these years while he still knew it was happening yeah. was really special. That is huge. That is huge. Um, wow. And it's ironic that you say that. And that was just recently you went to Big Bear? Yes, it was just recently. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be there next week for a men's Christian conference. Oh, nice. Nice. So I'll think, I'll think of you and your father as I look out on the lake and oh. share your story with others. Well, we grew up up there. Thing. We had a cabin up there, and I went to all of the camps up there um, growing up, all the Christian camps in Big Bear all and right. all that area. I went to every one of them all growing up. That's so cool. Yeah, I haven't been since I was a little kid, and I don't really know where we're going. I just know that I'll be sleeping in a cabin, <laughs> and I have to bring a sleeping bag. I, and I bring in my coffee pot. <laughs> I would, too. Uh, oh, I'm taking a lot of plugins. My mother even told me pot. when we just went up, because I even brought my little coffee foam foamer for my creation. Nice. You have to bring everything with you. Yes, I do. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. I don't mind. Hey, as long as I get my coffee and the buddy that's driving me there actually is, uh, he was like, hey, dude, do you have a coffee pot? And I laughed. I'm like, yes, I do. Do you want me to bring it? He's like, yeah, man, that's my thing. And I'm like, me too. I drink coffee. I love it all through the day. So like, that's awesome. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope it's not like an AA meeting where if we set it up, it'll all be gone in 60 seconds. You have to be prepared. <laughs> bring extra. I will. I will. We'll plan on sharing. That'll be it. Or or we can do it like and uh, have a modern day example of uh, Jesus and the loaves and the fishes. But we'll do it with coffee. Well, with coffee. <laughs> you know, we'll feed a hundred men with one pot of coffee. Watch it. Watch it happen right here in Big Bear Lake. <laughs> wine? How he made more the first miracle was with that too, wine. Yeah. We're going to do it with coffee. Exactly. Oh, yes. And everybody can get on board with that. Exactly. Nobody can complain about more coffee. I mean, come on. <laughs> as long as it's not like Sanka instant coffee or something no. like that. 
you know, we needed to brew, we needed to Sank. percolate, you know. <laughs> I think that was the one that was one of the ones my grandmother used to drink. And every now and then I'd just taste it and it tasted so terrible. She always drank it black and it was so bitter and all that. And then one day somebody introduced me to Mocha Java coffee and that was like my love affair with coffee began that day. Now you got the right start uh, that day. <laughs> that was good and so now it's like i've had coffee from all over the world and it's so fun to like experience different flavors and roasts and different things and you know it's really interesting actually who knew it was uh, such a big game you know coffee <laughs> right but i'd rather be a coffee um drinking person than a drunk you know because if i drank as much liquor as i do coffee oh, the world would be a little bit different this podcast is a whole different thing I don't even know that I would show up, to be honest. I don't think I, I'd be sleeping, man. Like, you know, there's no, there's no room for that and being drunk for me. No doubt, I don't drink much, so you know, it's uh, it's all about the coffee. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your childhood. How did you come to be this person? Talk a little bit about your early childhood experiences and things that might uh, help us understand how you became this wonderful person that you are today. It's interesting as I look back, because I've been doing a lot of dissection of that. And of course, beautiful moments. I feel like we were a little bit of that right out of Happy Days family. But I also do see that there was definitely the sheltering there. I went to Christian middle school and high school. And we were real involved. I was always in the church choirs and singing in the school choirs. And again, my brother being at the athletics, that that was our life. That was all we did. I didn't have as much of, I believe, what should have been a worldview, global understanding. And I think with, you know, today our kids can because we have amazing technology at their fingertips then. If it wasn't in the encyclopedia or on microfish film at the library, we really didn't have the same access to understand it. So I felt like I, I definitely had a more narrowed understanding. I don't remember really understanding patterns throughout history and different cultures. So I feel like there was so much that I didn't know when at 18, I had a baby. And that shook the family. That shook, there was a lot, a lot took place there. It was a lot. And yes, and that, that was, um, that was a big decision. And Ryan is amazing. He's 32 years old now. And that little baby ended up becoming my lead guitar player and touring with me and opening for some of the biggest names in country music and writing our music that we did for the veterans and just an incredible story of of the journey of Ryan and I that has been so powerful. But that really, my adulthood started at 18. I went from kid with really more of a, a sheltered background to boom, here's motherhood and here's what that needs to look like and having to forge my way through for a career and find my way. And over the next years, I ended up marrying young. And the next years, I had a gaggle of children. And at 29, uh, went through my divorce and needed to start my big girl career and feed my children. And that's when I stepped into the real estate and mortgage industry in Southern California and wholesale mortgage. And used that opportunity. I didn't know what I was doing. I had an incredible woman who took a chance on me when I didn't know my head from my tush when it came to that industry or how to read a rate sheet. And she taught me. And I was so grateful for her kindness, so grateful for what she saw in me before I saw it in myself that within six months, I was a number one rep for the company for Citibank. And I found out very quickly that absorbing that information, being grateful for that, for those that were helping me, 
and then being comfortable presenting myself in front of other professionals. It was it was a tremendous time of learning, and we were able to excel at that. and And it was a great career that helped provide for the kids. And at the same time, I was flying back and forth to Nashville. I had the first opportunity to be discovered in Nashville in two thousand four. So here, I was really starting to record and starting that part of my music career. I was singing in cover bands in Southern California at the concert in the park and the festivals and things like that, while raising kids, while running my whole mortgage career. Hey, 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 yeah. we got to slow down here. We're go- hey, this sounds really funny. A man telling a woman, that, well, baby, baby, we're moving a little too fast. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. No, 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 no. It's good. It's good. And in, in your story, like what, one thing leads to the other, but I don't want to miss something really important. And it just happens to be my personal thing, you know, with all of this. And I really love to try to understand because I recognize more as an older person that some experiences in our childhood really shape our future and our destiny in weird ways. And sometimes the challenges that we experience and the things that we go through as a younger person can really dictate what happens as an older person. And I was wondering if maybe you could explore some things in that area just a little bit before we dive into uh, what's going on more today, because I know there's so much to talk about with that, but I just want to see if there's anything we can learn from your experiences, good or bad, um, this is not all about good news. We like to find out about how you got over bad news. And, you know, so is it possible that we could kind of look down that road a little bit and, and what comes to mind for you? What would come to mind first would be the inability to really understand what my voice was. I knew I had a voice. I knew that I was different, especially the family being really about athletics. But I was so different. I wanted to be singing or I wanted to be performing. And I look at who I am today and I look back and see that was in there. It was trying to come out. I was begging (laughs) to be able to pursue those in a bigger way. And I was put in such a small box of what I was allowed to do with those talents, where they needed to be channeled. And I, I feel like I was just suffocating. I I think as a child, I even already felt like I was suffocating stuff, especially as a teenager, I felt like I was suffocating. There was some of the big world I wanted to see. There was so much I wanted to explore. I remember you know, I love my my parents. I love my father, but they just didn't fully understand me. And I was a lot. And I was a lot. I did not fit the norm. I skipped a grade. So I skipped sixth grade. So I was smart. I had no problem handling my studies. But I just was a little bit more larger than what my skin should have should have been at the time, even with my personality. And so I found that even at school then in more of a a small school, I became more quiet and sheltered, even though I knew that I felt like I was this big personality waiting to come out, finding my voice. So I was okay. Everybody knew me as the singer. I had the big voice when I'd sing, but not necessarily outside of that. I had a smaller group of friends, which if you look at me today, that's hysterical. I think it was it was just not knowing where my place was yet and really struggling with having a place to discuss that or even understand what it could look like. And my family just didn't know that maybe I should have been exposed to more of the arts, maybe the school of the arts, maybe broadcasting school. There should have been, I I was looking for things that could have expanded these talents. And so I felt constricted. And I think with that came some depression. There came that anxiety, that wanting to scream out for attention that just wasn't happening. And because I wasn't the star athlete, it wasn't as easy to pinpoint Very interesting. Very interesting. Do you, um, 
Do you recall feeling like indifferent or was it more a matter of like just confusion? Confusion. And just like I wanted to scream from the inside. I couldn't because I would, man, you just, you can't do that. There would be, you don't go outside the lines, but inside I was screaming. And I, I could have crawled out the window if you would have let me. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to know more. I wanted to experience. I wanted to understand. I wanted to have that voice. I wanted to try things. I wanted to audition. I wanted to put myself in situations that could challenge me. And I just, uh, I knew I wasn't challenged. And so as a result of that, even in school, my grades did not reflect what I was capable of. Oh, I see. And um, the first thing that comes to mind, and I guess here we are back in high school, uh, is the drama club. Like, is was that your home or what? We didn't have one. The school was too small to have a drama club. I wish oh, that had been. Wow. There was just choir and that's it. Everything was sports. Our school was all sports. We had great sports teams. Everything was sports heavy. The cheerleaders, everything pointed to sports. If you were in fire, you were really in the nerd at the nerd table. And this this was before Glee, right? So this was yeah. It wasn't cool yet. And and so it was just I did not have that ability to have those resources that I think I really would have loved. I wish I had gone to the public high school. I wish I could have gone to the public high school where they had those bigger resources for me to expand and grow and find myself. Wow. But there's value also in being in a smaller environment and all that. And I'm sure that it, you know, does have its benefits, but I feel you, um, my private school experience, um, lacked things like geometry. Like I, right? never had I've never had a geometry class no foreign languages me neither and then all of a sudden I was in high school and it's like what the hell is this you know and like oh that's geometry it's like oh, I never learned that before and exactly like I felt like an idiot you know I could do math and everything like that and I finally made it to like algebra but in my senior year of high school I'll never forget I ended up dating one of the girls but like they were all freshmen I was in a, fr a freshman algebra class as a senior and I was the only one and like you know it was just it worked out and mm -hmm. I ended up, you know, my study buddy I ended up dating, but, um, she was great. And, uh, I just felt really weird cause it's like, I didn't understand. And these people four years, you know, younger, are like, no problem. This is easy. And it's like, Oh my God, you know, it's like, so right. it just set me back a little bit and that was kind of a shame, but yeah, I can kind of see the similarity yeah, there. I wish I'd had more of that kind of education. I've seen what my children have been able to do in the classes they've taken. And I, I'm just awed by it. I never took those classes in school. They were an option. I graduated as well without a foreign language. Why on God's green earth would somebody let me do that? Why? I mean, I, I st my daughter came out of high school bilingual. <laughs> I can't even yeah. order something when we go out. She's, she's saying, mom, yeah. please, good God, would you learn something? And I wish I had that experience. There's only a couple of things that you need to know. Uh, habla espanol muy poquito. Lo siento. Lo siento, amigo, amiga. That's about all That's I'm it. capable of, and it is, I realize yeah. now what, what a tragedy that is. And, and it's the mass, and like you said, the geometry and the different classes that just just weren't exposed. Again, that, that confining. I knew there was more out there. And I, and I wanted to experience it. And I think that I acted out and it was in a cry for just wanting more experience. I was just too confined, just too confined. I feel you. And, um, the gentleman that is the father of your children is in mm. the same way. Mm. Oh. No, 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 no. I, uh, I never, that was a, that was a very abusive, very ugly situation. Oh, 
Um, I'm sorry. And I never, never, um, never told him about my son. Really? Yes. So he still doesn't even know? Yes. Wow. That's probably really smart, but wow. That's that's amazing. And and when did you get married? Uh, I married a few years later. I married a few years later. Right. It's about four. We had the other kids. Yeah. We're, 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 I'm, I'm married again now. I have a great husband now for the past 13 years, but, um, but, but yeah, so no drama. No, everybody's great and cohesive and wonderful and kids are great, but it's, it's been a journey. Wow. That's really cool. Huh. Gosh, I hope I don't have any kids anywhere. <laughs> I've, I've never abused anyone. So like, I, I hope nobody's got a secret that I've met. I, I would have loved. I would have loved to have been part of their life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> so let's let's talk about a little bit how you got into uh, music and theater and all that. I mean, obviously, it's a natural progression from uh, what you're saying and. You know, we've got plenty of time so we can explore some stories. And I'm going to try to get into the weird side of what you've done, because um, there is always a weird side when it comes to show business <laughs> and music. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about a few things. But tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into your real existence and like what that looked like. You have kids, you're married, you have a job, you're doing real estate. How did it all shift? I started playing piano at the age of three by ear. And then I started singing wow. all the time I was five. So that was the core root of Amy. That was there. Okay. That was not going to change. And I would always find ways to be singing and doing the cover bands in, in my late 20s and early 30s when I had the chance to make an incredible connection in Nashville back in 2004. That's when I knew that I could really start fulfilling that part of the dream in a big way. And it was, boy, did I learn a lot, though. Nashville is no joke. That is where the best of the best are, and everybody's there doing the same thing. And I remember I was about 30 at the time. And it, what's interesting is even at the time, they were telling me I was too old. So there's already a lot going on there and with that, putting that mindset in there. But music was just my my release. I love playing. I love singing. And, and it just didn't matter what. I had to have that as a part of whatever I was doing. They still had to pay bills, but music had to be intertwined. And when when the mortgage industry collapsed in 2008, I had had a major surgery in 07. And I came out of that surgery to my job gone and everything crumbling. And so I took the same business plan. I said, all right, I know how to succeed. I know how to put a business plan together. I love music. I have the passion. Why don't I put a business plan to this and go ask for it? I've got to keep the house afloat and the kids afloat. And that's what I did. And I went out into, and it was Arizona where you, uh, where you lived for a period of time that I was able to pierce through and make that, that real first connection. And it was Camp Verde, Arizona, the 4th of July, <laughs> 2008, that I opened for Clint Black. And I knew that was, oh, wow. it was an incredible, huge show. Really, right? Uh, so memorable. A monsoon came through the whole. Oh, that was where I was able to really start getting familiar with the relationships with radio. How to do that? I was on, you know, Good Morning Arizona TV. That was my first TV appearance, and it's ghastly when I watch it back now. Like you know, I had to learn. I had to. I had to figure that out. And then we went on. To, I went on a tour for the next years, back and forth with the kids in tow. My oldest son became my lead guitar player, as I mentioned. Ryan ended up 
stepping up. He started playing for me at 16. He became lead at 18. That's so awesome. Wow, was that power. I mean, he still is. He's still my lead guitar player today. <laughs> I just don't perform as much, but, but it is amazing. And so that had to be that, that route had to be there. And I still always wove in and out of, of the, the mortgage industry and business development and working with entrepreneurs and professionals. I love that too. But the music is, is the forefront of, of my passion and who I am to the core. Wow, that's so cool. Um, and something has just been on my mind I want to ask real quick. Do you remember a company called CTX Mortgage? Yes. In La Jolla? I do. And of course, you remember a co another company called Countrywide Mortgage, uh, right? Of course. All right. So I just want to float a name by you just to see. I, I have a feeling that you might know who this is. I'm just wondering because I used to work for him and I, I worked in the mortgage industry. So it started at, C at uh, Countrywide as a temporary gig and until one day. And I kid you not, this is right before the shit hit the fan in the mortgage business, uh, no pun intended, and it did happen as a result of some of these behaviors that I did not realize were wrong at the time. Um, I was hired as an office admin, and so I went into this office, and you know, um, there's like uh, one or two loan processors that do the paperwork mm -hmm. and stuff, and then the rest of us did other things. Well, one day... They gave us all stacks of uh, mortgage documents and files and stuff, and there were like five of us, and there was one person telling us where to go and what to sign and different things, and they had us doing things that we shouldn't have been right. doing. That was happening to Yes. I completely shit myself and called the lady at the temporary agency. And I'm like, look, I think what they're asking me to do is illegal. I don't want to work here anymore. Thank you. <laughs> Everything. And so somebody told me that, um, I forget who it was, but somehow or another, there was a district manager. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember how it crossed over, but there was some lady that talked to me on the phone and she was a district manager for another mortgage company, not CTX, but she said, you know what? She goes, you're a really good employee and you need a better job. I know somebody who's looking for an assistant. And, uh, so it was a crazy thing. It was just a random phone call and like somehow or another and God's grace, you know? And, uh, so she hooked me up with a man named Chuck Heltzel. <laughs> no, oh, I don't know who that is. That's interesting. All right. I was Chuck in Hel Orange County mostly. Oh, never mind. I thought you were San Diego. No, I didn't come to San Diego till 2011. Oh yeah. This was back in 2006. Dude, I was in County at the up. time. I was Irvine. That was where the, uh, I offices were and where a big chunk of my business was was Irvine. That's cool. Yeah. So I ended up in his office and got out of the countrywide thing and he was great. But yeah, I thought for sure you'd know who he was. And just because of the San Diego thing, he was a really good guy, man. Like he taught me a lot about things and uh, it was a really great experience in the mortgage business where, you know, big money and stuff like that. He dealt with a lot of people that had million dollar homes and things like that. Right. Back then that was huge. You know, now it seems common. And then <laughs> the house that cost. That's what I was just going to say. It all changed. Right. Um, so anyway, um, back to your uh, progression into the wonderful world of music and TV. So Clint Black was the first one. Yes. That was your first. Oh, he's so yeah. nice, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got the nicest. What do you remember the most about meeting him in person? <laughs> well, the monsoon hit that day. 
Nice. We were supposed to have our sound check and that Clint Blackett was having his sound check. Well, the monsoon hit all about that time. So we were not even able to do our sound checks. Lights were flying off the stage. This was a major storm. They had a, a trailer for me and they had a trailer for him. And we were told, just wait out in our trailers. The show may be canceled. And again, this is 4th of July. They're expecting a sold out crowd at this arena. And they knocked on my bus door, the, the trailer door, and said, Mr. Black has invited you over to his trailers. You know, we're riding out the storm anyways. He'd love to meet you. And I just thought, how classy was that? So we did it. My, I, uh, my guitar player at the time, wasn't Ryan yet, came over and we got to sit in the bus for like an hour. And he just told stories and his band was in there and every, he was just as relaxed as could be. And such, such a nice guy. Well, then they came in the bus and said, listen, we're behind schedule because of the monsoon. It's starting to clear up. But uh, Mr. Black, you're going to be the only one performing. Amy, you're cut. And I was just devastated. This is my first big show. And Clint brought his people over and he went into the back and they were whispering and they came back out and he said, are you sure? And he said, I'm sure. And they said, OK, Miss Scruggs, you get three songs. Clint cut part of his set so that I would still get my moment on stage. Oh, wow. And I am oh, so grateful for his kindness for that. That is really beautiful. Wow. I literally am tearing up. Yeah. That's a really nice, kind gesture. That's amazing. He was really one of a kind. And I'll never forget that. I, and it did. That it is everything. cool. Hmm. So what was that journey like? How did it start? And what did it look like? How did you know you were moving in the right direction? What did you do to pour more fuel on the fire? Oh, that gut instinct, knowing, okay, this is... I can use this now. If I can open for Clint Black, there's no, nobody's going to say no. Right. And just going and asking for that business, running as my own publicist, getting features in Country Weekly magazine, any newspaper, any city we were going into was able to have a company that books all of the fairs, the openers for the big acts around the county fairs in the summertime. And so they booked me then and said, yes, we'll take you on because I had that first one. They knew I was quality and I could do it. They, I was getting my song played on radio, the single at the time. And so we we did it. We put that tour together. And I'm telling you, I put the tour together before I had the rest of my band. I did not have a touring band and I said yes to the tour. So we got about four weeks to figure that out and it came together. You know, sometimes you just have to believe it into reality. Sometimes you have to just take those steps of faith. And for me, that time was completely that step of faith of saying, I've dreamed this my whole life. I've always wanted this. My mortgage career disappeared. Let's go do this. Let's do it. And we did it. And there were some really difficult times out on the road. A gig got canceled. I had to lay off two band members halfway through the tour. I had a bass player cussing me out behind a turkey leg stand at a fair. I mean, it was it was a it was a big deal, and and it happens. And I had to suck it up because the buck stops with me. I was I was the one in charge. And as a female artist, as my own manager, my own press, everything, I took a lot on, and I did take a beating. But boy, I have some incredible moments that I'm so proud of, especially we came back from that tour and I was able to align with the American veterans. I was doing a lot of volunteering and, and singing at military and veterans events, events around Southern California and AMVETS approached me to be their spokesperson. And we ended up putting that together for the next three years. I represented the state of California for AMVETS. And that was everything I had dreamed of. It was incredible to go and honor our veterans at the time. A lot of them were just starting to come back home. Now we're into 2009, 10, and then into 11. And it was really powerful, amazing performances. 
and bringing service officers to be there to speak with the veterans and share ambits with them and to represent them that way was just a blast. I was at their national conference performing. I was dedicating streets for uh, you know, Gold Star families, you name it, posts, deployments, welcome home ceremonies, command change ceremonies. It was just incredible. I've I've sung to, um, to Chris and a brand new Navy warship. I have sung at all the stadiums. It opened up absolutely amazing doors to go out there and do that. And I still get invited to do that awesome. and pick and choose when I'm able to at this point. That's beautiful. And so you found your calling and you pursued your path and destiny. <laughs> Is there anything other than those conflicts that you had mentioned that really could have held you back if you didn't make a different decision? Oh, we were always starving. We were constantly, I mean, it was, we were still, I was singing for the rent, singing for the supper. And if a gig got canceled or something changed, it impacted whether I could feed the kids. I mean, there was some really hard times in there. And then in 2011, AMVETS um, got a new state commander in and they they did not renew my contract. And I also lost my home the same month. So we had some we had some huge setbacks during that time. And then right after that, my bass player died of a heart attack at the age of 40. So we had some major setbacks. That's what brought me to San Diego. I said, time out, time to grieve. We lost the house. We lost Fred. We lost AMVETS. And it was time to step back in into real estate and mortgage here in San Diego and just kind of pull back and rebuild a little bit. And that's, that's what we did because that was really brutal. We've, I've lost everything and then had to build it again and then lose it and build it again. And it's happened enough times now that when, when COVID hit, I said, oh, this is not my first rodeo. We, we will adapt. We will figure this out and we will come out strong. Good. And you did, right? Like, I mean, no question. <laughs> you just learn. Yep. You can, you know, if I have the tools, then I have the ability to go do it again. Take it all away. All right. If I have the right tools, the the limit, take the limiting beliefs off, the right faith, the right heart, connected to the right people. All right. Who can help me? How can we do this again? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to definitely go down this road a little bit. I love country music. My heart and country music are so aligned, and I didn't really realize it until I moved to Arizona. Um, that's part of what, uh, when I moved from California, I always joke, I, I, I traded my bong for a gun. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right, you know, and I learned the ways of the redneck and, you know, hillbillies and backwood people. And here I am like a city hybrid of some sort. And, uh, you know, people accepted me and stuff, which was great. Um, but I really learned to appreciate, you know, everything from super old school outlaw country to modern country and, you know, all the favorites, Tim McGraw, Johnny mm -hmm. Cash, and Aaron Lewis is my favorite. Uh, I had a chance to guys. be Johnny Cash with June Carter at the Coach House back in 1993, right in the front one with uh, Cash. It was amazing. Oh, Johnny Cash. It was amazing. Cash. I'm so grateful. Mm. And and I opened for Charlie Daniels. In oh, I love Charlie Daniels. Isn't that Absolutely. Fun? That is so cool. Yeah, my dad introduced me to Charlie Daniels' band um, as music and not the people. Right, right. You know. That's really cool. Um, what I'm curious about, though, is just as a music artist, you know, and I think, you know, people make music for different reasons and things like that. And country music is one of the great arts where a lot of self-expression takes place. But there's also a lot of um, important messages conveyed that, 
you know, come from all these different places. I'm just wondering, like, when people listen to your music, do you think they really know who you really are? Or do you think that it's something else when people listen to music that someone or yourself even create? Oh, 100%. You will know who I am, especially the last project was selected on purpose. We went through a thousand songs to find the five that went on this EP because I wanted every song to represent who I am, my message, my heart for people, positivity. And it was funny, even my producer, Fred Mullen, he's just a genius in production world and has worked with some of the greatest artists of all time. And he, in these pitch sessions with the publishers said, listen, she's a mature artist. I don't want any guns, trucks, beer, or tattoos. This is what she's looking for. And it was true. That is, and I love a good old country song. I mean, I, I grew up on it, so I don't mind a good old heartbreak song, but that is not what I wanted to represent with this project. And when we found when the single, I mean, it found me. The, the, the song that we ended up being our single release that's still out there now, it found me. I believe that with all my heart, but it's called What If It All Goes Right. And I said, that's it. That's the one. I haven't even heard it yet. That's the one. And I'm so thankful that that song found me. The other one is Love Another Day. You know, we just, we wake up blessed for the opportunity to live and love another day. And we need to look at it that way each day. And then something to believe in is is really about anybody who's believed in you, any mentor, any, maybe a family member, maybe not, maybe just a, a teacher, a friend, just somebody that's believed in you and said, and thank you. It was you shining through that helped me and it might be a message of your own faith but i really loved the song of of a way of saying thank you to whoever whatever that is that pulled you through a hard time and then hold my hand is just a sweet love song uh about a new relationship that i just thought it was a sweet precious traditional country song i think it's the kind barbara Meldrell would have sung and um, it was just uh, really oh and then fly fly i chose because it's my heart to my kids. It's a song about anybody who you say you're ready to fly in this life. I know you're going to fly. I know you're going to. May you give more in this life than you get. May you lead with more memories than regrets. And that song I knew was going to release right before my youngest graduated high school. And I really dedicated that to, to all my children, but especially her for graduation, even filmed the music video on her high school campus with some of her her friends, permission from the district to do that. And it was really fun to, to celebrate uh, our young adults in that song. And that really is who I am. Every one of those songs showcases who I am. Cool. Um, gosh, you know, this makes me want to like uh, put one of your songs at the end of your episode so people can hear it. Um, I don't know if that's even possible. Of course. At the very least. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you could send me like an MP3. I'd of, love to. Uh, pick whatever you want and I'll put it in the end of this episode before the outro. And that way people can share your music and hear your heart um, at the end of the episode. That would be amazing. And we have plenty of time. Your episode won't air for like two, almost two months at this point. So, um, you know, we're recording this a little early. Really? So we have plenty of time. <laughs> well, then happy holidays. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Almost. Exactly. Yeah. It's so weird. It's, it's a blessing to have so many. I love it that people keep coming and wanting to be interviewed on the show. But boy, oh boy. Good it's a problem to have. Right? I am covered for two months now, it seems. And I like that. That's excellent. Uh, uh, awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And we'll connect out after the show and everything like that. Um, that sounds great. So let's get into Amy today and like, let's talk more about maybe some of the things, unless there's anything that we missed that we, if there's so much we could cover related to your music and all that. I wanted to go down that road, but I want to make sure that we really get a chance to 
have the today, Amy, available to our audience? Because I know you do some things that can really transform lives and help people to get through things in a really special way. And I'd like to share that, you know, and just kind of go down that road. You bet. What's so special about what I say about having my moments? I've, I've had incredible moments. I've had highs and I've had really crashing lows. And in some of those highs on those moments of, on stages or certain experiences or maybe a powerful interview I've done as a TV host, you can't put words to that. And what I'm, I have the ability to do now is to take someone else and their message and whatever they're doing. Maybe they're really impacting lives through their nonprofit. Maybe they're really getting their business off the ground to help other individuals. I get to assist them in having their moment by being able to represent yourself, by being able to really understand your message, who you are, what you're trying to put out there, getting your branding in order, identifying your key audience, whether that's the community you're serving, the business group you're serving, whoever that is, they get to have their moment then. And when I was hosting television all those years and only really speaking with entrepreneurs and nonprofits and and community leaders, it was amazing how that common thread, that most of them would be nervous before the camera went on. They would say, is this how I look? Is this how I sound? Oh, is this okay? What should I say? And for me in the moment, and most interviews were only about five minutes long. So I had five minutes to bring the best out in somebody to help them, to help them describe where they've been, what they, why they got here and what's their call to action in five minutes or less and have them do it comfortably and confidently. And I, that was my superpower was to conduct a well-crafted five-minute interview and help somebody shine. And I do it over and over and over again. And what a beautiful transition to leading into helping individuals of, of all walks of life now on that level. Most of my clients are female because I think that they um, they they tend to gravitate towards me for that vulnerability and, and I'm co- they're comfortable with me and say, let's, let's find this best in you. And I've helped quite a few amazing women pr- present their huge keynote speaking topics and just fine tuning those best talking points. I've worked with businesses where I've gone in and helped in communications just so they can work smoother on the interior of management levels and, and communicating with their teams. And taking these experiences that I had that I learned grassroots. I didn't take communications in school, as we discussed. I I wish I'd had those educational key points, but I have 20 years of this crazy career that I learned these things. And to now others do that is so rewarding. Every time I see one of my clients excel by being on a a TV interview or on a podcast like yours or a a feature come out in press where they're highlighted in such a beautiful way. I cry. I get so excited because they're having, I know what you mean. They're having their moment. And I always, I get like that too, actually. And when I see things and, and I get really emotional over that, um, it's a really beautiful experience. It really is wonderful. Like you did it. Excellent. Thank you for trusting me. And that's what I always say. Thank you for trusting me on this journey. Thank you for allowing me in to walk beside you in this next stages of your goals, your communication goals, your publicity goals, whatever those are that I'm assisting you with. Thank you. It's an honor. Yeah. And and I I was curious once because I noticed it in a few different scenarios and I just thought to ask the pastor at my church, I'm like, hey man, like, uh, why do I cry sometimes when I feel love and experience, you know, heartfelt connections and things with people. Like, why is that? And he's like, man, that's, you're feeling the love of God, mm-hmm. you know? And so I kind of surmise it like that. Cause I always want to know why I'm always the guy that wants to know why, and <laughs> you know, but it's like in this particular case, it's like, man, you know, that's just love. It's a God hug. It's a, 
it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is. More mm-hmm. people need to experience that. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, no question about it. So right. tell us a little more about this road that you're on it, and how you help people and what can be expected if somebody's going to reach out to you. We've got 15 long minutes and I'm going to put your song in after the hour. So wonderful. don't worry Thank about you. time. My pleasure. It's um, it's really something, especially in the nonprofit space, for example, really incredible people out there doing good work. A lot of individuals come up with an idea for a nonprofit. They go to that next level of identifying what that would be, doing the paperwork, getting established, getting that, that 501 and that tax exempt. They build up their volunteers. Now what? Who are you really? Who are you serving? How do we identify this? How do we rally the community around you? Because you're out there to do great things. And I notice that a lot of times those that are wanting to serve and be hands-on in service are the last ones that want to get up and talk about it. Yeah. And sometimes that disconnect can't be fixed. So great, let's find you a spokesperson. Because we want to be able to craft this message in a way that what you're doing is really understood. It's not a message if it's not delivered. And if people don't know you're out there doing it, how can they support it? And, and connecting those pieces together that it's not just about, oh, no, I'm not going to throw my money on marketing or I, I don't want to spend on advertising. That's great. But if you are even in settings where you're just networking or you're in your community or at your church or in Rotary or whatever organization you're in, how are you sharing what it is you do? Because those talking points are so important. Crafting those right sound bites. This is what we do. This is who we serve. Take that to a business. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs butted through COVID. We see a lot of a lot of people that are saying, okay, I'm done. Maybe that job, I lost the job during COVID. This is that time I'm going to start on my own. We see a very saturated space here, definitely in our digital world with everybody creating their online businesses, you know, coaching spaces, things like that. How do you set yourself apart? How are you making those connection points in a real way with your audience, making real connections? And a lot of times it comes to how you're representing yourself, how your intention is coming through. And it can be a change in a way that we present ourselves, how you're crafting your sentences. And, you know, it's a funny thing is one of the big things that I'm known for is helping everyone I work with remove their filler words. No more ums, yas, sos, and long ands. They got to go. Because every time you put an on there, you're losing credibility. So start a sentence with a sentence. You don't, I never opened an email that has, um, yeah, so what I'd like to say is. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, it it, it is kind of a fumble when somebody's like, uh, well, um, uh, Amy, uh, it just sounds so weak, you know? Yes. Take the time. Hold the queen. Let's learn to breathe between. Let's work on inflections. Let's let's start thinking in bullet points so you're crafting your sentences in real time and just polishing up your presentation and how you craft your sentences and everything that you do. And it has to be practiced at home, at work, in life with your friends. You can't just think it's going to turn on when you're in an interview or being asked questions or networking. You have to practice this all the time. And I think communication has been lost. Yes, I couldn't agree more. That's exactly right. I'm on the same page with you there. Um, do you think there's a big distinction between women and men and how the communication process plays out? <laughs> well, I think there always has been. I mean, that yeah. hands down going to go to the end of time. No question. I do, know, uh, I do notice, though, 
And this is why I love working with women. Women, you, you've got to start getting to the point. Women will definitely loop a little bit more and overthinking and over-talking. And then you're losing a lot of your audience. Your fast thinkers are tuning out before you even get to the point. They don't even know if what you're sharing is funny, inspirational, a warning. Like they're just trying to figure out what is this or what are you getting to? Too many ingredients. So I really help a lot of individuals pull out some of those ingredients so they can get to the point. Utilizing powerful storytelling, quick messaging so that you can identify, is this a teachable? Am I about to make you laugh, cry? Am I informing you? What is it? And getting to that sooner in every talking point. And there's a craft to it. But I think that women definitely overshare. I see. You know what I was actually thinking of, and that's a good point, very good point, is both men and women, and myself included in this, sometimes um, passion, drive, enthusiasm, gregarious, outgoing energy can actually be threatening to people in a way I found. And it's really strange and it's not normal in my opinion, but I've uh, been told a couple of times through my life, heard about it with other people, man, you just seem so aggressive. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't feel aggressive <laughs> at all. Like, I just am really excited. You know, <laughs> like, oh, I don't know, you're, you're coming on kind of strong. And I'm like, well, isn't that what you want? You know, it's like if you've got somebody that's going to fight in your corner, do you want them to be weak and laying down? Or do you want the guy to be standing on his feet and ready to go? You know, it's like, what do you prefer? And Communication is so wonder, tricky, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I was curious um, because I think sometimes, you know, we can easily come across as, you know, something a little different than what's in our heart. And I was just wondering, you know, what your thoughts were about that. So like, you know, someone expressing passion and enthusiasm and drive, you know, without seeming pushy, mm. you know what I mean? You know, a lot of that can come in those nonverbals, the body language. I do a lot of work with the body language, just like when a, a woman will say to a man, why are you mad at me? A lot of times you'll see it be that direction. And, and a lot of women are guilty of this as well, because your face says you are. Well, I'm not mad. Well, your face says you are. A lot of times our facial expressions, our resting face, our active listening face, as I like to call it, are not congruent with what it is, our passion, or what we're trying to say. So the more we can gain that self-awareness and find that connection where is my body, maybe it's how I'm leaning in, maybe it's how I'm approaching, how, where are my shoulders, how is my energy, is it matching what it is I'm trying to relay to you? And there's a lot of times just that body and then verbal communication disconnect that will cause those kind of miscommunications of maybe coming across too aggressive. So a lot of times maybe just pulling back, softening our stance while we're excited. I know that because I, if I'm around introverts or somebody that's not as large in personality as I am, I definitely have to rein that in. And I can still show excitement, but sometimes I can do it in a whisper. Like, oh, you would not believe what just happened. And I can pull my voice down into a tone that might be more appealing for that person that might be a little bit intimidated. If I come in with my large voice, like, guess what happened? Then that's my big voice. So I can adjust those, adjust my body language to really match. So I'm trying to meet the needs of most of my listeners. And it really comes down to being aware of who we're speaking to and trying to match that and connect with them or they're not going to hear what we're saying anyways. And then we lose, we lose so many great touch points just by not having that self-awareness. Yeah. And that's really important. Um, very important. But sometimes, you know, we live 
entire lives without learning these things. And, you know, hopefully people listening will recognize Mm -hmm. if there's something in them that, you know, Hey, this could be a rough spot, you know, and it could be better, you know, more successful, more focused, more direct and more impactful really. Because when we go through life, right, we're setting an example in a way and, uh, we're sharing with others and they take that memory into their life and their experience. What we shared with them will reflect in the other person's life and that will reflect in other people's lives. And I don't think we think enough about things like that. The importance of maintaining what I like to call the light. Yeah. You know, and very important to keep the light on. <laughs> you know, one of the ways you can always do that self-check when you're, especially if you're meeting somebody new, you're in a situation, you're just having dialogue is, am I being more interested than interesting? And the more we can show that interest in someone else, asking engaging questions, that that natural conversation is going to happen. And if if they are half of a a weight conscious human, they're going to be asking you questions as well. And you'll still get that opportunity to share this thing that you're excited to share with the other person. But being interested is really going to help move that along to softening any of those disconnects in an initial meeting or a getting to know you phase while you find that rhythm with each other and learn what that dance is because it's constant. And sometimes we're doing this in real time, minute to minute, especially if we're in a situation where we're meeting a lot of people in the same, let's say, event or whatever that may be. But being really aware of reading their body language wide array and then just being interested is going to open up that portal to really discover quicker, is this someone that I want to be connected to? Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes it's better just to walk away. Let's just make that clear. So uh, absolutely, but you're you're going to learn that a lot quicker, and you can identify those that you need to walk away from a lot quicker when you're aware. Yeah, and absolutely, and and a big part of that really is um, based in spirit, wouldn't you say? It's not really the mind. Does it come from the spirit, or do you think it's a mind or a combination of both? Yes, it, it is coming from that spirit, but you, and you have to be aware, aware, and self-aware enough to know to be listening to that and being out of your mind. You know, not out of your mind, but out of your head. <laughs> and yeah. and saying, okay, I'm going to be aware in that spirit. I'm going to look for those cues. I'm going to listen for those cues. I'm going to pay attention to those nonverbals. And when you listen to that and to yourself and also know what your nonverbals are saying and what your spirit is relaying, that can happen so much quicker. Absolutely. And we're getting uh, almost to the end of our time together. Uh, It doesn't matter if we go over a couple of minutes and I'll still put that song on there afterwards. But I just want to ask, is there anything that we might have missed that is on your heart or in your mind that you might like to share with our listeners today? I always love to share the reminder to take the limits off. We put limits on ourselves our entire lives. We're all guilty of it. But anything that we can take off. Maybe one a week, you just take off a small limit. And the next thing you know, you're going to start feeling lighter and lighter. Take the limits off. Limits in your own life, limits in your your health, limits in your finances, limits in your abilities, your passions, your dreams. Don't give up dreaming. I would have never dreamed I would finally get my head at almost 50 years old. That little girl inside of three years old knew it was going to happen someday. So take that time limit off of when you think it should have happened and allow it to happen when it's supposed to in anything that you're believing in yourself. 
I think it's great. Believe in yourself. Yes, that's huge. And people don't always recognize getting, you know, in the hustle of bustle of daily life and everything that there's still room for dreams. You know, I, I have friends, uh, a couple of friends that I think about sometimes where all they have is a job. They don't have a family or kids to take care of, but just a job. And that's almost too much for them sometimes. <laughs> and it's like, man, hold on a second. That job is just supposed to pay the bills. We don't do it for fun. And you're supposed to use some of your other time to help build things for yourself. Yes. You know, to personally develop and all that. Wouldn't you agree? I completely agree. Follow those passions. It might be an outreach. It might be in your talents. It might be an art. It might be in something. But put that back in there so that you, that core person, that three-year-old that you knew, you know, I loved that thing. I already knew I liked this thing. Put that back in your life. It's amazing what it will do. It sure is. And then to develop some type of faith or have faith in it and don't let anything stop you. That's the thing. I mean, you clearly illustrated there's several times, if not many, many times where you could have turned the other way and run. Yes. You know, you chose not to. You kept uh, you kept waiting for the monsoon to pass while fortifying your tent. Yes. <laughs> and look, literally every time we let the monsoon pass, there's a blessing on the other side. Absolutely. And I do miss those Arizona monsoons. Those are really cool, man. Like, apparently that happens here, but I haven't really seen it yet. But apparently it's a thing in Nevada, too. So we'll see. That is amazing. Um, and so if someone wanted to reach out to you, of course, I'm going to have a link to your music separately from your website and all that. But like, where's your web address? Thank and you. How can people reach out to you? If you just Google Amy Scruggs, you cannot miss me. Amy Scruggs Music, Amy Scruggs Media, just Amy Scruggs in all of the social handles. Thankfully, I do not have a comic name and I will pop up. You can reach me <laughs> through any of those things. Just Google Amy Scruggs. You cannot miss me. That's with a C, not a K. R-U-G-G-S. It's beautiful. And if someone does reach out to you, what can they expect? I would bet. I answer my DMs. I answer my Facebook Messenger, Instagram Messenger, LinkedIn Messenger. You can reach me through my website at Amy Scruggs Media or Amy Scruggs Music. Any of those things will come to me and I will reach you back. If you have a question, you want to just uh, share a fun story, anything, please reach me. Love it. A real person. I love your sense of authenticity and just the... You know, that your light shines bright. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Todd, you're an incredible oh host. What a great platform and show you have here. This is just providing such blessing to the world. And I was honored to be chosen to be a part of it today. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. No, it really is all my pleasure. And sometimes I, well, actually, after every episode I record, I contemplate and think about it and kind of look to see what the message is that I was supposed to get as well. And it's amazing to me how each of you as guests have presented information from to me directly that almost seems like it was written for me. But my hope is that other people will find that same click, you know, and the light bulb goes off and it's like, man, that's the answer I've been looking for. Or, you know what, this is a great idea. Let me start thinking in this other area instead of what I've been doing that's not working. And I really appreciate your acknowledgement of that. Thank you. And I do hope it really does make a difference for folks. No question about it. So let's talk about your favorite subject just for one last minute. Do you know which song you'd like to play next? We are going to do What If It All Goes Right because you know what? Perfect. It does. Let's do it. Perfect. 
love it. That's the one I was thinking when you said it. I was like, that's the one I want to hear. So that's what we're going to do. So in uh, just a minute here, stay tuned. We're going to have a special playing of Amy Scruggs, What If It All Goes Right. And Amy, once again, thank you so much for sharing your adventures in life and your struggles and journeys and triumphs. You've been an amazing guest and God bless you. You know, the things that you've been through and to still hold on to your vision and dreams and all that. That's a really great inspiration because sometimes I even struggle with those things myself. So I totally understand. Thank you, Todd. My pleasure. Have a wonderful afternoon. And here we go. Stay tuned for the song. That road that you're taking is a dead end What if love leaves you all jaded and broken What if that limb breaks your climbing out on Yeah, what if it all goes wrong What if this time nothing goes?
Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.